absolutely. It depends on the uh, COR of the flagstick, so the Coefficient Restitution flagstick. In U.S. Opens, I'll take it out, and uh, every other tour event, when it's uh, fiberglass, I'll leave it in and bounce that ball against the flagstick if I need to. Welcome back, podcast patrons, episode 35 of Leave the Pin In. As always, I'm your host, Dan, and I've got my co-host back, the man who is eternally sipping an Arnold Palmer in memoriam, Scott. Scott, what's the good word? Well, what's going on? I have my, my glass of half iced tea, half lemonade, and if it wouldn't get me in trouble with my wife, I'd pour some out onto the carpet right now for the king. Pour so. one out for your fallen homie, huh? Yep, the sip's for you, Arnie. Hey, uh, the the PGA Tour ended its season early <clears throat> so as not to compete with the NFL. And the PGA Tour started its season today in competition with the NFL. Yeah, I, 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 oh, I, I don't get why. First of all, I don't really love the, the games on Thursday anyway. But they're usually, I, I mean, they're usually point, awful. They're, they're going to be competing with the NFL, so... You know, might as well be on a Thursday. Yeah, well, you know what the problem is with those Thursday night games is that that transition time is so quick. I mean, there's no time to heal. There's no time to, you know, give guys pain meds and stuff and get them ready for the next game. I mean, the turnover, depending on where you are, too, um, if you're on the West Coast and you're coming back home to the East, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a three-day turnaround. There's no walkthroughs or anything. There's film sessions, and that's about it. So those games usually suck. Absolutely. Uh, speaking, I only watch them when the, the, the Jets are playing, so right. they do usually suck. Well, and I was just going to say, speaking of things that usually suck, thankfully the Jets for us lived up to expectations and blew a 16-point lead. So I'm happy because it seems like status quo in my world is still existing. Well, yeah, and you know the quarterback has mono, so now I know what I'm doing on Sunday. Watching the final round of the Greenbrier. And also, you and I on Sunday have to choose the winner of our contest. So for the people that haven't seen it yet, on our Instagram, at Leave the Pin, I posted a quick video. It's the last post. I'm not going to put a new post up until this one's done. The contest is over. We're giving away a Mulligan's Golf, one of our sponsors, clothing apparel company, Mulligan's Golf ball marker. But in order to sweeten the deal, we're going to throw some of our new uh, cachet of stickers at them, Scott, if you will. Throw a pin in there, four or five stickers. Make a nice little care package for the winner. And all we're asking you to do is tell us your craziest golf story. Now, if you go to our Instagram page, you'll see some of the public posts that people have entered. And they're very good. They're very funny. I mean, they're hilarious. But some of the DMs I got from people on stories that they didn't want their names attached to mm-hmm. um, have been even better. But I'm not sure I can pick a winner from the DMs because they don't want me telling those stories. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Um, I will figure something out. Yeah, for sure. We'll make, we'll make, it, uh, we'll make it work. Hey, uh, rookie Robbie Shelton shot a 62 today, Scott, at the Greenbrier. You know... I- you know what I like? I'm just looking at the leaderboard. There's a lot of, uh, you know, rookies, but like familiar names, you know, people who are back, kind of climbing up their way, climbing their way back, I should say. Yeah. So you well, have you have you know our boy Lanto Calrissian. I, I, yeah, you saw that, right? That's awesome. Hey, he's tied with Kevin Na, tied for second. Yep. Yep. There's uh, uh hold on, it's, uh, Scotty Scheffler, uh. Bronson Burgoon. Yeah, the big goon. So, yeah, I mean, this, and again, so it's the first tournament of the year. There's a lot of guys who are still taking off, and this is an opportunity for some people to make some names for themselves. You know, yeah, you know, you know there are some names in there. Bryson DeChambeau is in there, the patron saint of the Ten Um, But, again, it's a, one of those tournaments where guys who would not normally get into you know, big tournaments are, are in there, and they're going to try and make a name for themselves. I love so, have yourself a day, Robbie Shelton. Yeah, I love the fact that there are certain horses for courses. You know, like you know, Bubba always plays well at the Riv and always plays well at the Masters. Um, you, you, you know, and, and the and the Travelers and the Travelers, right? That's true. My bad. Um, well, you, no, not your bad. I mean, it's that's it's just 
he dominates that course. Yeah. Um, some, sometimes it just fits people's eyes. Um, you look at Brendan Steele and, uh, gosh, I just went brain dead, uh, out in, in California, the one with the wine barrel. Um, the, uh, I don't the, remember the name of the Yeah, the, the, one, the, the one out in Napa. Right, the one in Napa that he's won three times. I mean, you go to like um, Tiger and the Masters, you know, things like that. And I love seeing Kevin Na back at near the top of the leaderboard at the Greenbrier. Yeah, and he won last year, right? Yep. Yes, he did. Yeah, so, so I think it's, you know, the times people defend titles are few and far between. So that'd be pretty cool to see that, you know, first tournament of the year, Kevin Na goes out, gets himself a win, puts himself probably in some conversations for, you know, people who are going to have really good seasons. Yeah. Safeway open is, um, yeah, is, uh, Kevin, uh, geez, I was, I was going to say Kevin Strelman, <laughs> Brennan Steele's, uh, uh, literally playground, you know, last three, three of the last five or six years or so. Um, so next week we go to Sanderson in Jackson, Mississippi. We talked about that a little bit a few weeks ago about being a small, you know, area that that really comes out for the event. That's where Cameron Champ won um, again, Scott. I, you know, today today's like my New Year's. It's your New Year's. You know, it's the start of the mm-hmm. new golf season. And even though there's not much fanfare, I guess, in the public eye, I mean, for us golf nerds to see all those rookies starting is is awesome. And, and a funny footnote that came out of the Greenbrier that probably not many people know is that Chad Campbell, a three-time Ryder Cupper, I believe, uh, you know, mm-hmm. perpetual FedEx Cup, you know, uh, qualifier, is sitting at the end of the range, sitting there all morning, mind you, Okay, dressed up, sponsors gear, everything ready to go. He's got his caddy ready for him because he's the first alternate. Now in a 156 size field, dude, you're always going to get three or four people that drop out. Just commonplace. But being the first event of the year and having every single rookie, this being their first chance at a PGA Tour event, not one single person dropped out. So he spent... All, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, doing practice rounds, stuff like that, and sat waiting for that withdrawal, and nobody WD'd. So Chad Gamble is heading home. Well, and that's unfortunate because Mark Leishman has actually withdrawn. Uh, He did complete his first round, but he is now listed as having withdrawn from the tournament. All right, well, that's probably something that happened on course then, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And again, he, he finished the round, but... yeah. You know, it's probably a thing where he just can't go. You know, here's the thing. If you're the first alternate and John Daly's in the field, there's a good chance he's going to, you know, pull out because his knee's hurt or something like that. But he stayed in, so. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Um, It's a great transition. You spoke about John Daly and knee problems. Uh, Another another top star with surgery this offseason, DJ, just completed – knee surgery so tiger's left knee dj's right knee um posting a lot of pictures of him doing charity work and you know laid up in bed just kind of hanging around and uh and this gets me to a, a a sore point scott because i am a big fan of the the i don't want to say old time golf swing but let's just say a classical golf swing that doesn't put much pressure on the lower back so much torque on the hips and the knees and the modern golf swing, we're seeing these these crazy distances. We're seeing the scores drop exponentially, and we're seeing people dominate. But we're not seeing the longevity anymore because of the violence that the golf swing is. Now, you know, but not many people do, I did my master's thesis on the difference between the modern golf swing and the classical golf swing and how it impacted the human body. So, you know, in, in, in my research and in, in all the stuff that I did, so basically to break it down in simplistic terms, the modern golf swing is so unnatural and so violent nowadays, and the fact that people are bigger, stronger, faster, the fact that clubs are stiffer and you need more torque in order to, you know, activate the kick point in the shaft and the flex, um, 
you've got all these injuries occurring because these athletes are literally bordering on this razor-thin line between greatness and injury. And it's like that way in every sport. But what I always argue for is that we're not going to see a Tiger career anymore. We're never going to see a Jack or an Arnold career or a Sam Snead career, you know, where, where he wins in his 60s or a Gary Player career because people's bodies are just not going to hold up. And you look at the litany of guys that have gone through surgeries. You look at Cam Champ, who is one of the most violent swings on tour, and he hasn't been healthy since last year. Jason Day is perpetually injured. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's just like you even look at guys like like Rory, who has the best driver swing in the world because it is such a, a long, violent swing. And, you know, we'll get to his player year in a bit. You know, just bear with me on this point. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that he's, for all intents and purposes, a pretty awful wedge and, and short iron player. I know he won player of the year, and, and we're grading him on a completely different scale. Do you understand? I mean, like, we're, right. gra- you know, we're grading everyone else on X's and O's, and we're grading him on, like, quantitative physics. Right. I mean, I'm going to ask you two questions. Yeah. First, first of all, are there players today who you think do have kind of that classic swing where they're not overly twerking their body? Sure. Um, if you want to go to players that are, are – and this is just off the top of my head. I wish I would have thought this out more. It's a great question. Off the top of your head is perfect. Okay, off the top. There's two that come to my mind, and I'm just curious what, what if they're the ones that come to yours. Okay, you're going to say Adam Scott. He was number one. Okay, of course, number one. Now, I'm going to go a completely different route because you know when I give lessons and when I teach that I am all about you do what your body allows you to do, right? There's, mm-hmm. no, there's no wrong swing. The only thing that's important in the golf swing is literally like four inches behind the ball and four inches in front of the ball. You, you get the club face but- square for those eight inches. Nothing else really matters. So for someone that swings their, you know, hey, here's an ode to Arnie on his 90th birthday week. For someone that swings their own swing, Zach Johnson for me is perfect. Um, Bryson is perfect. Forget that he's the patron saint of leave the pin in. Um, uh, Let me see. I'm trying to think who else. How how, how do you feel about Ricky Fowler? uh, Ricky Fowler is another guy with that short, Backswing, you know what I mean? He was, the sec- he was the second one that came to my mind. Yep, yep. I think that fits his height and physique. Um, I was going to say Tony Finau with that super short backswing. There's not much that can go wrong back there, you know? Mm-hmm. And he has the body type to support that. You know, he's 6'5 and athletic. Um, honestly, Brooksy, his swing as well. I think fits his his body type, and the, and the fact the, the fact of the matter is the fact that he's you know whatever I'm going to estimate is 185, 195, might be 205. Um, a bulky body like that can hold up a lot more than a small, frailer type lift body like a Jordan Spieth, um, you know, or or even a Justin Thomas, who who right. who kind of for me Justin Thomas kind of embodies that. Old school classical swing, right? Trained by his dad, who's PGA mm-hmm. professional, um, but has some aspects of the newer, modern, lashing golf swing. Matt Wolf is another great example. Well, not the guy who swings his own swing. Right, exactly. Sure. You know, but I, I think I think when I think junior golfers, and I know I'm getting off on a tangent, but I think junior That's golfers okay. get in more trouble when they try to epitomize a textbook swing instead of, hey, you know what? I'm only four foot ten and I weigh seventy pounds. You, you know, I don't I don't have that much um, vertical in my swing, so I go a little flat. I go a little horizontal, but I'm super flexible. Right. You know, and, and I swing through that way. Um, you know the the way the game is going. I, I have I have a lot of trepidation and fear over the fact that what's next? Like, are we going to get to eighty five hundred yard courses? Like, are kids never even going to be successful at golf 
unless they can minimally hit it 315. Right. You know, the, the guy that hits fairways and greens, is, is that guy going to be completely replaced? Because now in order to hit a fairway, every course is a 200-plus yard carry. That's, that's one of the fears that I have with the game. And, and we're getting pretty close to that as it is right now. I mean, it's, I mean, there's a lot of tournaments where, you know, a good chunk of the field really has no shot because they can't hit it far enough. Right. Now, you know, I'm a big baseball fan of big Cardinals games. The Cardinals are playing Rockies today. They, ju- they just beat them. But the game was on when I came home. And the announcers for about three or four innings, because you know there's so much time in baseball you have to kill. The announcers for three or four innings were talking about how, you know, Major League Baseball just set a home run record. The Cardinals at that point had had five home runs in four innings, five solo home runs. So they were saying, like, what what do we do? You know, the ball is different. It is a different ball now. It is manufactured differently than it used to be. So what do we do? Do we allow this to continue happening? And the, the days of... You know, a 1-0 pitcher duel or a 3-2 game or pretty much by the wayside? Or do we just cater to the fans? And, and um, Tim McGarver was saying, look, like we, we can't cater anymore because what's next? And that really kind of resonated and stuck with me. And it's the same thing with golf. Like what's next if we don't rein this in? Like the RNA is trying to do driver testing. Now the PGA Tour says, oh, okay, you know what? We're going to do that as well. Like, okay, me not even being out there every week, I could beat that driver test 52 weeks out of the year. Like, it's such a, oh. it's such a BS way of doing it. it yeah, that, and that's the, when, when it all came up. But that was my, one of my big arguments was like, well, this is not like a legitimate test. <laughs> no. And, and, and so the only people that are ever going to know are the equipment rep, and the player. Okay? Yeah. Well, if I'm the equipment rep, guess what? I'm going to give you a 100% conforming driver. Give that to the tester. Okay, here's your hot face. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, it's just... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and especially in, in, you know, this day of adjustable heads, like, it takes three seconds to pop a new head on a shaft. Oh, for sure. Uh, you know, I have... Like I said, I have like three shafts that I kind of like play with on the same driver head and just kind of, you know, alternate and play around with the range and go with one's feeling good. So if I had multiple heads to do that with, same, same deal. Yeah, it's just, uh, I mean, that's a whole other wormhole. Um, but yeah. Yeah. anyway, DJ, again, let, let's backtrack to where we actually were. DJ oh, we're again. About DJ, right. Yeah, DJ again <laughs> is, you know, is injured. Um, but this time it actually looks like. It was from the golf swing and not uh, falling downstairs and a jet ski accident and any of those other reasons that DJ gets injured. Mm-hmm. Wink, 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 yeah, wink, wink, wink. Um, all right. You know what, Scott? Let's let's pause real quick, throw an ad at the people, keep the revenue coming for leave the pin in, and then we'll get right back to it. Beautiful. All right, people, we're back. Um, Scott, oh, the USA came back to win the Walker Cup. I don't want to do a deep dive. I just want to tell you that, honestly, with no NFL on at that time, I was upset that I couldn't watch it. Yeah, I, I was talking about that and a few other, uh, uh, the lack of golf coverage with someone uh, a few weeks ago. Like, really, essentially, unless it's the PGA Tour or you know, a, a major championship for the women and I guess to an extent for the like the senior tour, the champions tour, for the most part, there's very little golf coverage. Well, I, I find. Yeah, I mean, we are people that search it out, okay? So take us out of the equation. But let's say you were a young kid hyped on the game, uh, maybe you're not really into social media or anything like that, and you want to go find golf on TV. You go in and watch it, and you find a CBS coverage or NBC coverage, and it's just, it's just not cool. Now, this is exactly. coming from, I mean, 
granted, I don't consider myself a middle-aged man, but let's be honest, Scott. Like, we're in our early 40s, and we think the coverage isn't cool. Can you imagine what a high school kid or a younger kid seeing it from the mainstream media view? Now, I'm not talking social media. I'm not talking things that we do, things that people that, you know, know us do, but the mainstream coverage, Golf Channel, NBC, CBS, Fox, it's not cool. And you get this awesome contingent of guys that just played in the USAM, right? They just solidified the team there. They're playing these freaking sick as hell Justin Thomas-inspired polo pants, you know, with stars on it and these awesome Mm -hmm. outfits, and they're out there rocking this comeback. I mean, what what more can draw a kid into golf than seeing that? But guess what? I I don't really know, and they murdered... On Sunday. Oh, singles was 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 sick. That's the what the first time in eleven planes of it, or so twenty two years that that the home team has lost. That's how dominant it's been. Because honestly, at the amateur level, you know the guys in the U.S. are not playing a ton overseas. And to be quite frank, unless they're going to college here, the people from Great Britain and Ireland are not playing much in the U.S. Yeah, that's that's true. So the home team usually wins, and to have the U.S. rock this amazing comeback in the early afternoon hours when there was no NFL on, the late morning, early afternoon hours, where they weren't competing against anybody, like Fox paid how how much? A billion or something for for this U.S. Open, USGA rights, and, and we can't even get the Walker Cup? You can't even give me the Sunday singles of it, Scott. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I don't get it. I really don't. And again, I'd watch it. I know that there, you know, are, are people who would definitely watch it because they're big golf fans, but there are people who flip, you know, channels who, you know, if they saw golf would probably stop, you know, cause a lot of times there's like motocross on or something like that, you know, no offense to motocross, but uh, that's on, but put some golf on too. Yeah, you know, and, that you and, you got me thinking. You got me thinking. Mm. People flipping channels, right? People flipping channels see a tournament and a name up there. Well, guess what, Scott? They don't care. But people see USA, mm-hmm. right? And people say, oh, who who's the U.S. playing? Great Britain and Ireland? Oh, that course looks completely different than something I've ever seen before or I've ever played. The one time I played in a scramble for work. Oh, man, let's check this out. Oh, Oh, dude, USA's down two points. Oh, this guy just won the whole... You know what I mean? And then they're hooked. Then they're into it. They don't know anything about... They don't know Akshay Batia. They don't know Brandon Wu. But you know what they know? They know the United States. Well, and so... And you bring up a good point about Akshay Batia and Cole Hammer and Andy Ogletree and Brandon Wu. Those guys at some point are going to be on the PGA Tour. Every single one of them. Exactly. So... Here's the thing. It's in the PGA Tour's benefit for this to be on TV. Right. Because that's an opportunity to see people who are going to be future stars. Preach. You know, and, uh, you know, and maybe, maybe they're not. Maybe, you know, they get to that level, but they don't make it or they get hurt or, you know, they decide to do something else. Uh, who knows? But, there's something to be said for, you know, here's Cole Hammer. He's, up, you know, he's really, you know, really up big in this match. You stop on it. You know, he's on the USA. That's a name that sticks in the back of your head. And then a couple of years later, you're flipping through channels again. You see Cole Hammer go by. You're like, ah, I remember that one time I watched him. He beat some European guy in a match really badly. I don't know anything about golf, but he's my favorite golfer. Preach. He's got a he's got a cool name. I know that he likes uh you know you know that he wins. He he's my guy. Yeah. Now you have a, now you have a new fan. So we you know who knows how many people. Maybe it wasn't ten thousand. Maybe it wasn't even a thousand. But you lost some people that you could have turned over to your U.S. Open coverage. You know to to your mm-hmm. to your U.S. Am coverage. There's just the thing is with it happening so close to the USAM, there were so many storylines that Fox could have utilized during the USAM and set up as foreshadowing for the Walker Cup. 
and they didn't do it. And and another point, Scott, how many times do we get team competitions? Right? We get them once a year. And let's be honest, the President's Cup sucks. So we really get them once every two years. I mean, there's room for another. It's not like the market is saturated. Right. And and it's different, too. It's, it's not a bunch of millionaires, you know, who are out there, you know, just playing another round, who honestly, in a lot of cases, it's definitely not that important to them. Right. You know, I think maybe kind of the younger crowd, you know, some of the, the younger guys like, like Ricky and JT, I think they're a little bit more into it. Um, but this is the Walker Cup's very different. These are kids who are not playing for money. They are out there to play for the U.S. Yeah, I mean, put it this way. Akshay Batia, who is not going to college and quite honestly could have turned pro whenever he wanted, purposely did not turn pro so he could play in the Walker Cup. Right. I mean, if that doesn't say it all, I don't know what does. That, that, that covers it. Um, moving on to more golfer injuries. Now, this is something I know that you've had personal experiences with and not this form, but I've had personal experiences with. But Justin Thomas today just announced on Twitter and Instagram and everything else that he had had a mole on his leg. I think it was his left calf. And he put this picture up of this sizable gash, uh, sutured gash in his leg. And so at first glance, you look at that, you're like, oh, oh my God, like Justin Thomas tore his calf open. But he had a small mole removed, and it turned out when they tested it, it tested early for early stages, probably stage one of melanoma, right, which is the deadliest form uh, of skin cancer. So he went on in his post to basically just say, like, especially the junior players that are out in the sun all the time, like, you need to wear sunscreen. It's so preventable. Um, And, you know, the thing is, too, this is a guy who wears pants at most competitions, you know, mm-hmm. and, and golfers really do not think about their lower half. They'll put it on the back of their neck, maybe their ears, you know, but uh, a lot of times that's it. And I, I play with a ton of people that don't wear it at all. And I mean, now I always have put sunscreen on. I wear it all the time now, like even when I'm teaching at work outside, partially because of my tattoos, you know, um, I'm mm-hmm. not going to invest that much money in them and then have them look like crap, um, and people will continually tell me, like, dude, did you just get that done? And I'm like, no, it's a decade old. And they're like, how? Because literally I wear sunscreen every day. Um, what do you think about that, Scott? It's pretty nuts, a dude as young as Justin Thomas. Uh, yeah, and again, he, he, he is out in the sun all the time. He's out playing golf. You know, it just goes to show you, you know, it, it can happen, you know, at any time. You just have to do what you can, make sure you're taking care of yourself. Um, I, to be perfectly honest with you, I very rarely put sunscreen on my legs and I, I'm going to maybe think about doing that. Um, I, I was telling, telling someone, uh, last weekend, uh, that, uh, it was my wife. She went out, uh, took my daughter to uh, a water park and they got a little sunburn and she's like, yeah, she's like, well, she's like, I reapplied. And I was like, well, you guys were there for a long time. How many, how many times did you reapply? Oh, just once. I was like, you know, like usually, you know, they and they were there for uh, like six, seven hours. I'm like, I play around the golf. I'm out for four hours. I, you know, I, I, I put sunscreen on twice. Once when I tee off, and once when I get to nine. Or, right. You know, once when I finish with nine. But you know, when I, when I make the turn, like you guys were out there for an extra two hours on top of the normal four hour round. So gotta get that up a little bit more. Yeah, it's it's it like seriously for for our people that golf, it's really nothing to to joke about and mess with. And I love the fact that Justin Thomas was like, "Look, this is what happened. Um, I'm going to use it as a teaching opportunity." I mean, you know, I, I'm continually impressed with this dude for his age and how he carries himself. I think most of the young tour pros are like that. You look at um, Jordan. You look at Ricky. Uh, you know, even some of the young guys that we've met, like Colin Morikawa, you know, Matt Wolf, like guys like that are just, they just, for lack of a better word, Scott, they get it. I think they realize how privileged they are. I think they realize how lucky they are. And 
are just like, you know what, I want to give back. So props to Justin Thomas. You know, I, I would love to see him turn this into something, you know, even um, even a, a skin cancer awareness campaign or something, you know? And that's so... I think it does kind of depend on where the event is and what, what's going on. But I will say, um, you know, I've been to, to PGA tour events and sometimes, you know, they're very concerned about making sure everyone has sunscreen, making sure they're taking care of themselves. Okay. Where, and, where were we where almost every other hole there were sunscreen dispensers? Do you remember that? Uh, I don't know. If was that, that the was, playoffs or the PGA? Uh, I'm going to say, well, I, the only PGA I've been to is Bethpage. Okay. So then it wasn't Baltusrol. So it had to be, it had uh, to yeah, be the playoffs I, I, at Ridgewood I, then. I, I was traveling. So, okay. I, yeah. I think it was either Ridgewood or maybe you didn't go to Plainfield. I did. Right. So it must've been Ridgewood. Yeah. So for the people out there, they had, I, I mean, jugs, I'm talking mm-hmm. gallon jugs that were, stationed attached to these platforms um Mm -hmm. all around the putting green all around the fan tents and then out on the course as well like on the walkways and it's something i would have never thought of and i thought it was brilliant and what was awesome is they had these little mirrors attached to the back side of it so you could put it in and make sure it was rubbed in and i'm telling you what scott like there were a lot of people using it yep the uh, the Travelers Championship also, uh, they're, they're and when I you know I say I've been to places where they're you know very serious about it, they're very serious about it. Again, you know they're an insurance company, so they're going to try to minimize risk in any way they can, and that's one of the the ways that they're you know using their vehicle uh, to you know help people understand the risk of not wearing sunscreen. I would love to so, see JT or some of the guys you know petition the tour and have that out everywhere. Um, I'm going to ask you this question next, which relates to it, Scott. Who has the worst golfer's skin you've ever seen? I know, mm. I know who mine is, and my wife cringes every time she sees this guy on television. He's been on less and less as of late, but I'll give you mine after you tell me who yours is or who you think. The worst. Mm. And when I, when I tell you mine, I'm going to tell people to Google it so they can check it out. It's bad. Uh, Jim Furyk jumps to mind, but that he's one, one of those, yeah. one of those old. It's that generation. It's that generation, yeah. Scott. You want to Google Ernie Els's neck? Hmm. Ernie, the back of Ernie Els's neck is awful. It's horrible. You know, here's a guy in South Africa, growing up in literally, the, you know, the the, the Sun Belt. Um, oh, and, that, that, and that's not good. Yeah, and and I remember, I can't remember where it was. It may have been the first U.S. Open at Bethpage, and so that's going back what to two thousand and two. Is that right? The first one was O two, correct? It was O two? So seventeen years ago, and I just remember Scott. When we were there, him passing us, and I was like, "Oh, good lord!" Now that was seventeen years ago. Yeah, this is this is not good. Definitely. So if Ernie's out there listening, man, it's never too late. It's never too late. And, you know, the other thing is, uh, you know, I mean, he's been in the U.S. obviously for quite a while, but I almost wonder if that's just it's just not a thing in South Africa. Well, yeah, I think maybe maybe that's maybe it's a cultural thing. I don't know. Yeah, I uh, mean, either. But yeah, he, he, he should probably take care of that. For sure. So we asked people on Instagram to basically throw in any questions that they might have uh, for the pod since we're recording tonight. Figuring, you know, I, I wouldn't get a lot of questions at all because I put it up five minutes before we recorded. Um, let's just say thank you to everyone out there. We're not going to be able to get to all of them. But I'm going to take the best two. Uh, one of them is because it's something we had in our liner notes to begin with. And so the golf clan on Instagram, check them out, follow, Mm. asked about Rory as the player of the year. Now we spent a whole episode on that, right? So I thought, okay, that's not really, 
It's not really something I want to deep dive in again. We talked about arguments for Brooksy and arguments for him. But he made a great point. He said, predict out to next year. Who are your candidates for next year's Player of the Year? Scott, I'm going to let you go first. Uh, candidate for Players of the Year next year? Yep. Uh, I would say, obviously, the same two again. Because until they, you know, Brooks and Rory prove that they don't belong as, you know, one and two in whatever order you want, then they still retain that rank in my mind. Um, I would say, uh, I would say, uh, hmm, uh, you know, before, uh, you know, the, the thing with the, the cancer, the skin cancer. I, I actually was thinking JT was kind of due for a big year, you know, coming back from the injury, played pretty well towards the end of the season. So uh, hopefully this doesn't set him back, but I'm going to take him out of that, that list right now. Um, I'm going to throw his buddy in Ricky Fowler though. Okay. Because uh, you know what? At some point he's going to break through and then I'll be right. I think but it's yeah, a safe my, bet. My, my, my big three would have been Brooks, Rory, and JT. Okay, Brooks, Rory, and JT. I would love to say Rory falls off, but he's been this slow, steady burn. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I feel like at the Tour Championship, someone kind of doused him in gasoline, and, and, and that blew up to all hell. You know what I mean? He skyrocketed. That, that inferno was cooking. So I'm going to have to pick Rory. I'm also going to go on the American side, someone that at every big tournament he plays, not named Brooks Kepka, he finishes high, and that's Xander Shoffley. Okay. So I'm going to put him into that. Um, I'm hoping it's the year that Xander gets a major Maybe another win or two here or there, and obviously he'll qualify for the FedEx Cup playoffs because I mean, oh yeah, he I mean, he has every single year. And then I'm gonna throw Rory McIlroy's fellow countryman in there, and I think this is the year that Tommy Fleetwood breaks out. Uh, that's a good one. The last, that's a good one. the last five or six tournaments, I feel like he's been freer out there. He seems to laugh with his caddy more. Um, I think it'll be 100%, well, maybe not 100%, but maybe an 85 15% commitment to the PGA Tour and the Euro Tour. Um, with the money that the FedEx Cup playoffs are paying out now, it is almost stupid for guys to miss events. And honestly, right. most of the guys this week in their press conferences were like, look, you need to get off to a good start. So if I can play four fall series events and finish, you know, top five and two of them, or maybe win one of them, like, dude, I'm good. My year is made and it's not even January 1st yet. Right. Yeah, and that's why you get guys like, you know, Nick Watney in the field because, you know, he's got to try and keep his cards and he's got to try and have a few good weeks and then he can kind of relax a little bit and wheel it back. Right, right. So so those, those, those are going to be my three. Rory and Tommy from England and, uh, well, I mean, you know, not technically from England, but, you know, whatever. The UK. The UK, let's just say. And uh, and Xander and uh, you know I'm a big fan of Xander and I, I I really hope this is the year and if not for a major at least a a solid win like a Players you know um, a WGC something and, and not a WGC in like you know China like a real WGC right yeah I don't I don't know why I'm, and obviously he he, he played. Decent towards the end of the season, I just for whatever reason I'm just kind of down on him. But well, I, I I know I, why. I also wouldn't be surprised if he if he played really well. I know why so. you're down on him. It's so simple. I mean, the guy is literally feast or famine. That's it. 
You know, he's he's kind of the epitome of the new tour pro where it's like, hey, man, I can miss 20 cuts. It's cool, but all I need is a win, a top five, another top 10, and I'm good for the year. Right. You know, is it better to be consistent week in, week out? Or is it better to, you know, catch lightning in a bottle once or twice? And the way the PGA Tour is set up is it's better to catch lightning in a bottle. Yeah. I mean, case and in point, Rory as player of the year. Yep, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Talk about guys who had good major seasons. Xander. What? T2, T2 at the Masters. Yep. T, T16 at the PGA, uh, which, I you know. He shot seventy six on Sunday. It did. It does. He, no, it doesn't matter if you finish second or, or you missed the cut at the PGA. You weren't winning it. You yeah, weren't exactly. winning it after and Brooks's he, he first shot round. Seventy six on Sunday under terrible conditions, and you know he went seventy sixty nine fifty eight in the first three rounds. Right. So, you know, okay. Uh, T three at the U.S. Open and then T forty one at the Open Championship. Again, shot seventy eight on Sunday, but. 74, 65, 69, the first three rounds. Right, and then came back to finish T, uh, no, solo second at um, the Tour Championship. So that's solo what I'm talking second. about. Like, like, you know, the big he shows up at these big tournaments. Like, uh, so many of these guys are taking on that Brooksy mentality. Yeah. He missed the cut at the players. That's probably, if you want to call that the, the fifth or sixth biggest tournament. Okay, you know, I thought you were going to. I was, one, I was about to yell. Where he... What's that? I was about to yell because I thought you were going to say major, but thank you no, for no. thank you for clarifying. Big tournament, correct? Yeah, no. There's the four majors, and then I would say the Players Championship and the Tour Championship are kind of like the next two, only because there's so much money tied to the Tour Championship. Oh yeah, uh, and then then you have like the WGCs and all that, and you you know good season there too. So yeah, now I. I I, I I think that's a good pick on your part. Okay. Okay. Um so so Golf Clan, that answers your question. Thank you. Uh for everyone out there listening, go check him out. Golf Clan on Instagram. And the next question that we're gonna answer, um, because like I said, we only got time for two of them, is from our buddy. I told him we'd put him on, Tyler the Creator, Smirks thirteen thirteen uh, thirteen thirteen on Instagram. So Tyler the Creator says, What's your most embarrassing golf course moment? And I figure I will tell his, okay? Uh, okay? As I think of mine, and you think of yours, I'll tell everyone out there his. So a few months ago, you know, our Instagram page has not been around for long. Tyler was actually the inspiration for the Instagram page. He said, why don't you have an Instagram page? I don't know. I don't have any time. He says, but you do the podcast and people love it and they email you. Why not just go Instagram? I was like, well, that's a brilliant idea. I'll do Instagram. So anyway, as the page has grown... We've done uh, some Instagram lives and videos and whatever and stuff like that. So we went Instagram live on the second hole of his home course, which is Firmwood, a.k.a. newly renamed Pocono Hills. It's a very short par three. It is a second hole par three, which we know is we're not big fans of, Scott. And who else is not a big fan of a second hole par three? Um, probably everyone. Who's specifically not? The guy whose book you mention all the time. Ah, is it he? Tom Doak. Yeah, of course. Tom. Uh, I don't remember him talking about that, but okay. Yeah, tr- t- trust uh, me. Tom, Tom Doak hates it. Uh, you know, I know for a fact. Uh, he probably does. Yeah, for sure. It's so, almost as bad as a first hole box three. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I used to, I used to play at a course that had that. <laughs> Uh, me too. Yeah, I know. Um, so anyway, so this golf course is part of a I, quote-unquote resort. It is like something out of the early 80s, um, upstate New York type like Catskill, Peekskill region, Poconos region like that. It is way past its heydays. It hasn't been updated. It's, it's weird. It's odd. So behind the par three... And this is a short par three. It runs from like 119 to maybe 130 at the most if you put the pin in the back. Behind the par three is a horse trail where they do horseback riding trips. And Mm. you can always hear the instructor giving directions when you're on this par three. So I said, hey, let's go Instagram live. Okay. 
So I'll go first, and we talk about it, and, you know, I think I hit pitching wedge, and I've had 20 feet to the hole, 25 feet, whatever. You know, fine shot, not great by any means. Two putt, go home, right? Yeah, two putt, make par, go home. That's it. So Tyler gets up, gives me the camera, and you really can't see the horses, okay? But you can hear them because the horse trail sits a little bit below the level of the course where the quote-unquote fairway would be for the par three, right? So Mm -hmm. he takes his warm-up swings, and he's got same thing, pitching wedge or nine iron, whatever it is, and takes a swing and duck hooks the hell out of it into the woods and looks at me and literally almost starts crying because he's laughing, but he's scared and nervous because he thinks he hit one of the horses and the instructor because we saw her head peek out of a bush and then the ball went literally right at that spot. So... He's kind of freaking out. He's like, what should I do? What should I do? Should I hit another one? I say, yeah, hit another one. Hit another one quick. The horses get to us, and the lady says, was that your ball? And he was like, uh, yeah. She said, that was not a very good shot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's rough. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, So that was his most embarrassing moment. Aside from all... You know, when when he was first starting to learn, you know, just like everyone, he hit a ton of bad shots. Now he's turned into a really solid player. I will give him, I won't tell it to his face, but I'll give him props. He's really turning it around. But yeah, his most embarrassing moment is almost killing the instructor and the horse. What about you, Scotto? Most embarrassing moment on a golf course? So I, I, just, I just pulled up like the satellite view. Because I, I just want to make sure that I'm <laughs> remembering it correctly, and I am. Yeah. So it's a uh, it's a golf course in across across the river from where I live uh, called Storm King Golf Club. Uh, one of those places that you know in its heyday was probably like a happening place to be. Uh, fell on some hard times, got some new owners who put some money into it. It's it's starting to come back. So. Uh, a couple of years ago, I went out there. It was one of those, you know, Groupon kind of things where I think it was 19 bucks for nine holes with a cart. So I, you know, I'd go out and, you know, tell the, the guy in the pro shop, you know, Groupon is like, ah, go, go right out. There's maybe a couple other groups out there. You know, just the first tee, just hit it between the trees. I was like, uh, okay. No, no problem. So I, and it's obviously a blind tee shot, so I, you know, I step up, I'm on the tee, and I'm looking, and out off in the distance, there's these, you know, two trees. So uh, let's see the two trees talking about. So I hit it between the two trees, right onto the ninth fairway, uh, right out of guy's cart. <laughs> Right out of the guy's cart, the cart belonging to the owner of the golf course, <laughs> who was just finishing up his front nine and was going to be on his way back and be behind me for the next two and a half hours. So, yeah, that was a little awkward. And he, he looked up at me and he's like, between the trees. And I pointed <laughs> at the two trees that I hit it between. And as I'm looking at this current satellite image, one of the trees is no longer there. So. Maybe they, maybe that was the Scott tree, like the Eisenhower uh, tree at the Masters. That's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping enough people were screwed up by that that they just chopped the tree down. Or most likely, what happened was a you know bad storm came through and took it out. Right. It's called Storm King for a reason. <laughs> So, yeah, I almost killed the guy on the golf course. So that was pretty cool. So uh, we're going to go uh, – well, I, uh, I'm i not even going to tell – I've told my story so many times before. I'll tell it real quick, maybe for some of our new listeners. First co- collegiate golf tournament ever, and I'm paired up with two kids from Penn State, myself, another buddy from my team, 
and the last one to hit. First competitive golf of my life is the first golf tournament I ever play in, you know. Um, realize this is a club team, but it was just decommissioned from a D2 sport the year before, so they played the same schedule. We hosted our own tournament for like 25 years, and that's why, you know, Penn State and Lehigh and some of the bigger, better schools in the nor- Northeast were around there. So anyway, long story short, the par four that we start off on is a dogleg right. All the carts are lined up on the left. On the left, about 75 yards left of the fairway. They are in no one's way. No one is in harm's way, except for when I step up to the tee box. I pull, hook, draw, duck hook, rip one into the carts that all the other kids are sitting in. They scramble, start yelling, dive out of the way. The ball is rattling underneath the carts. So what do I do, Scotto? Like any good golfer playing in their first tournament that's never played competitive golf, I take a ball out of the bag, tee it back up, and goes, guys, I'll just hit another one. My teammate taps me on the shoulder and says, Dan, this is an actual tournament, and you can't do that. And I said, well, what should I do? He goes, we're going to have to back up all those carts, and you're going to have to play it. Mind you, there were about 20 carts that were waiting out there. Now, some players were in them, some coaches were in them, some officials were in them, some scorers were in them, some of them were there just in case the weather turned, they had to shuttle people back to the clubhouse. Long story short, it took about five minutes to move all the carts. I get relief off the pathway and make a 10 on my first collegiate tournament hole ever. Right, and at that point, you just want to go home. I wanted to crawl up and cry in my golf bag, Scott. Mm. That's completely understandable. But you didn't, and yeah. We're going we're gonna to take one more. Uh, Ruffner JT's from Instagram asked, is the boy from Bratislava, Rory Sabatini, going to win this year? Wow, uh, I was not expecting a Rory Sabatini question. Well, that the the fried egg, Andy Johnson from the fried egg, is big mm-hmm. on Rory Sabatini switching his nationality from South African to Bratislavan. Um, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Bratislava is the um, the city. Jeez, uh, uh, Slovakian. Excuse me. Um, mm. to be in Slovakian because his new wife is Slovakian. Now, I'm not even going to answer this question because I don't like Rory Sabatini, but let me tell you a funny story. Back in the day when golf Twitter was new and I was doing the Angry Golf Hulk account, which honestly has fell by the wayside and I really don't do it anymore, and I probably should, Scott, because there's so many followers to it. But I was contacted by a woman. And this woman kept changing screen names, and it was always like X Miss Sabo, Miss Sabatini, I hate all those things, right? And she messaged me, and she was like, "Do you know who the biggest moron on tour is?" And I was like, "No, please tell me, Rory Sabatini." <laughs> well, she kept on going back and forth, but she kept on mentioning all these things that, as I would Google them and find out, were true. Turns out it was his first wife, his now ex-wife. And she would consistently just bash him and spill the dirt on everything that went on on tour. And she said, look, you just can't tell anyone. And she said, if you do, I'm just going to change my screen name again. And she says, I keep changing it because he finds out what one I'm using. Mm. So just a funny anecdote, but she had some crazy things to say about him and that the fact that he really is as much of an ass as most people think. Now, obviously, his Slovakian wife, and he just played in some Slovakian tournament where there were like amateurs and the guy who finished in like 20th place was like a 15 handicap and shot like 30 over. Um but he is the boy from Bratislava, the pride of Slovakia, Rory Sabatini. I'm going to go with no, not a PGA Tour event, uh, maybe a Euro Tour event. But I'll tell you what, he has been playing very well as of late, and I don't like it. 
Yeah, so I don't either. Where did you think? Where do you think he finished in the FedEx Cup rankings last year? Oh, uh, dude, I bet you finished like forty second. Uh, actually, better than that, thirty sixth. Wow, so pretty solid. Yeah, I, I I know he played great. Honestly, yeah, I mean, for uh, he he made twenty two of twenty six cuts. He played a ton. He played so much. Yeah. Yeah, if you would have told me that Rory Sabatini made 22 or 26 cuts, I would have been like, you're crazy. Hey, do you think he but, had to play so much to pay for his new wife? Uh, it's possible. Hmm. 11 of those cuts were top 25, uh, 6 top 10. Um, didn't finish, finish any better than third, but still, that there are people who would kill to make 22 cuts in two seasons. So... So, yes. All right. I mean, I, I still don't think he's going to win. I don't think he's he's got enough firepower at this point. But, yeah, that, that's a pretty good year on his part. All right, Ruffner, JT, so there's your there's your answer. Scott says he's I, not going to win, and I think his ex-wife is going to attack him on the course. Yes, and I do like the PGA Tour uh, website has him listed as being Slovakian. Um, however, it was his birthplace as South Africa. My, my, look, look, it's, it's <laughs> so insane and it's obviously a ploy just to get into the Olympics. But my favorite thing is when they're like, oh, Slovakia's owner, they announce him at a press conference and he has the deepest South African accent. Yeah, exactly. I think what I think he should try to do this year, and, and but I don't know what a Slovakian accent is. I'm sure it's just an Eastern Bloc country accent. But he should try as hard as he can to speak with a Slovakian accent in all of his press mm. conferences. Only then will I gain respect for him after what he did to Ben Crane. Yeah. Well, you know what he actually really should do? He should bring a guy. You know how they have, like, the translator? Yeah. Um, oh. He translates, <laughs> you know. He should have his... English translated into Slovakian. Oh, that would be phenomenal. His countrymen. Uh, you remember back in the day in WWE when Nikolai Volkov would make everyone stand for like the Russian national anthem? Yeah. <laughs> That's what he should do. Go full heel and make everyone stand for the Slovakian national anthem, no matter where mm. he is. Yeah, that would be that would be great. Oh, that's terrific. Um, all right, so hey, uh, and, and, oh, go ahead. And, and as of right now, he is in the Olympic golf field as a Slovakian. Yeah, I mean, how can he not be? I mean, there might be six golfers from that country. And he would not qualify as a South African, I don't believe. No. No chance. So how many, well, I guess it depends on how many how many South Africans they take. Yeah. Because there's two guys ahead of them. At least two guys ahead of them. Who are they? Uh, well, is it... one of them's obvious. The other, not, not so much. So Is it Van Roo? Yeah. And is it Van uh, Roo- Justin Harding. Oh. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. That, I see, you know, good golfer. Just, yeah. I yeah, of course. there'd be someone else in there, but okay. Interesting. Um, uh, Scott, for our newer fans too, and for any fans that we just picked up from our Putter Kid interview, uh, we want to say welcome and thank you. And go check that out. Check out the interview with Max Arden, the Putter Kid, intern at uh, the Buck Club, and uh, good pal to Zach Blair, who's actually playing this week at Greenbrier. Uh, great interview, great kid, super mature for how old he is, and um, you can probably have him on in, in the future a bunch of times. Uh, had a great chat with him also as fans of the pod you should definitely be checking out mulligans golf you should go to the website mulligansgolf.com go to the instagram page and when you do use the code this is on us use the code leave the pin 20 and mulligans golf is going to give you 20 percent off of their entire order which that's a pretty damn good deal scott ah totally and so if you're into cool and they have some really really cool stuff yeah, if you're into cool off-course golf wear, I mean, Mulligan's Golf is is kind of where it's at, you know? Uh, super soft cotton, just uh, chill, so, you know, chill SoCal vibes, and, and, and that's where Doug's from, California. So no matter where you are in the country, 
Um, you can kind of live that SoCal lifestyle there. Uh, what else we got, buddy? Might be it, huh? I think that's it. At some point, we should probably do like predictions for the upcoming season, but let's do that next week. That's a good idea. Yeah, I like that. Um, also, yeah. again... And because and you mentioned the Olympics, we should probably just kind of talk a little bit about that because you know, I, I find it... I find the whole process there interesting. You know what I would like to do, Scott? I think maybe we should go and see maybe top two or three from each kind of major country and kind of break that down. I would I would like to see where oh. those standards are at right now. Uh, it's, it's, that's what I'm looking at right now. It's okay. pretty fascinating. Yeah, let's, uh, we'll talk about that off air. Let's, let's set that up. I like that idea a lot uh, as an Olympic preview too. And uh, don't forget, go to her Instagram page, uh, post your most embarrassing, craziest golf course story. And then when we pick the winner, Scott, on Sunday, obviously we'll announce it on Instagram, but we'll talk about that next week. I'll talk about the golf course incident that I was involved in that almost led to an altercation, but mm. started with someone being run over head to toe with a golf cart. And it is still talked about in my work circles to this day. I was not driving. I was not oh. running the person over. Most so get this, Scott. I, there, I remember the story. Okay. Get get this. I know we're going a little bit long, but but let me give you some personal stuff, Scott. A lot of people out there think that I, who have never had a ticket in my life, am an unsafe golf cart driver. Could you imagine? I mean, I, I, I only fell out once. Let's just, let's just say that. And it was only that one time. And let's be honest, we've played hundreds of rounds together, so that's a pretty damn good ratio. Right, and that was a while ago, too. So it, think of all the times it's happened since. Right, well, this, this is what I'm trying to get across to people. I did a little video on Instagram with my son, and we've been doing the par three push-up challenge, right, on our Instagram stories. Well, we went Instagram live because he wanted to. Okay, cool. A bunch of people came on and said, I hope he's not riding in the cart with you because that would be unsafe at Hideaway, which is a course that I play in Ranger at, which is very hilly, and literally you could die on it. Um... And I said, of, of course he is. Who else would he be riding with? And all these people, Scott, went on to mention all the times that they flew out of the cart when I was driving. Hmm. Um, I've never fallen out of the cart. You were driving at Hideaway, so. Well, let me ask you this. All these people are claiming that they're falling out of the cart when I'm driving, right? Well, what's the one similarity in all those stories, Scott? Well, you you being in the cart driving. No, it's the golf cart. It's not me. <laughs> the one thing that doesn't change is the fact that there's a golf cart always involved. Right. And you're driving. <laughs> two two uh, things can't be similar. Fair enough. Yep. Take but, the golf cart out of the situation and just walk it, and then they wouldn't have fallen out. Okay, well... Let me tell there you. you let me tell you this, Scotto. Pushcart mafia. Pushcart mafia. And I said that to one of these people, and that person replied with, "I've seen you topple a golf cart pushing it down a hill." Yeah, everyone's done that, though. That's not my fault. Everyone's done that. You, you, I've done it. You know, you look at it, and you're like, "Oh, I can let the golf cart ride down the hill by itself. I don't have to push it. It'll be fine. I'll pick it up at the bottom." And it it hits a bump or something, and it topples. Right. Uh, you can't be blamed for that. I cannot. But all I'm saying is maybe there have been a few incidences over the course of my long, illustrious golf career where people have fallen out of cart. However, think of all the times that you have ridden with me and you have not fallen out of a cart. That's what I'm saying. It only happened once. Right? It takes... What, 10 seconds to fall out of a cart? So mm -hmm. if 10 people have fallen out and it took 10 seconds each, that's a minute and 40 seconds worth of falling out of a cart. Juxtapose that to the 
tens of thousands of hours that I've been in a golf cart, and really, it's minute. Exactly. Totally agree. So I plead the fifth. Uh, I, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna clear you of all all guilt. Appreciate it. Um, all right, buddy. Another good episode. That was 35 down. Check us out on Instagram at Leave the Pin. Check us out on Twitter at Leave the Pin. Uh, hit us up on both of those. Send us messages. Email us us. Excuse me. Email us at Leave the Pin in at Gmail dot com. Scotto, you got anything else for the good people? I do not have a good one, guys. All right, people, either get busy golfing or get busy dying.